Well, my title this morning um, comes from a film from 1992. The film was called City of Joy. It was not a romantic comedy. It was not an action movie. It was not a thriller, a, a, a horror picture. But in it, an Irish woman named Joan has found her life's calling by living in the slums of Calcutta and working at a clinic. I mean, running the little clinic that's in a Calcutta slum. Um, Joan tells the lead character, whose name is Max, that in life we only have three choices. To run, to spectate, or to commit. At some point in the movie, Max calls himself a running spectator. Um, it's a drama that effectively, I think, shows much of life's pain for the people who are without means and resources, but also that love, faith, hope, and beauty can stay alive in the darkest of places. When I think of 9-11 and the 15th anniversary, I'm pulled back to dark times in this country. I have an event I have to do after church later this afternoon for the 9-11 anniversary. And so it's been on my mind. And last night I went to see a film um, for part of the Gay and Lesbian, North Louisiana Gay and Lesbian Film Festival that was called Small Town Rage. It was uh, produced here in Shreveport by um, people that we have associations with. And it was about an organization in town called ACT UP. Now in the days when the AIDS phenomenon was new enough it didn't have a name. When the medical systems in this city were being afraid to let anybody in to treat them, when people were dying in droves, this group of people, most of whom were not infected with the virus, went and confronted power in ways that literally put them at risk. Some of them had their, li their personal lives on the line because of the illness. Others were putting their lives on the line because of what a threat it was to communities that were operating either from lack of information, from misinformation, or just from fear. And all of those things can contribute to the essence of hatred, which I don't ever think is born of itself. Anyway, 
the people that were part of this movement had identified something about which they had a lot of heart, a lot of passion, and they're still committed to it. The group ACT UP morphed into being the Philadelphia Center. And it lives on. And people that were committed to that struggle have vowed to themselves to follow it to the end till there's a cure. Now, I think our running can be subtle sometimes, so subtle that we don't know we're doing it. Moving away from things. Just avoiding something. Or maybe fleeing altogether. Not infrequently, the things we avoid, the things we turn away from, the things that, that we shut down or run away from are the things we most need, represent things we most need to examine in ourselves. Someplace else in the movie, um, Joan says to Max, uh, you can't outrun your demons. The harder you run, the harder they chase you. So, you know, running may be, may be an option, but I don't wish it on any of us because of its futility. Certainly, these metaphors are not for every circumstance. I am not suggesting people shouldn't take care of themselves. I am not suggesting that if someone is trying to physically harm you, you shouldn't avoid that. I mean, that's not my point. But then there are spectators who may pay the price of admission or uh, to be there, but who don't have a significant investment in what's going on. I, I, you know, you could say don't have any skin in the game. Um, a spectator only witnesses what others generate and doesn't risk what it takes to actually be a part of the play. And without investing self, there really isn't any life in the living. So if we run, it's us we're trying to get away from. If we watch, we're cheating ourselves of life. And I know these generalizations are vast. Um, but I think being a, a perpetual spectator is actually just another form of running that we do by sitting still. In a time when Thoreau and Walden were quite popular, 
when people were getting back to the land and turning away from the lures of convenience and time savers and electronics, and in some ways, engagement with the broader community, All Souls built a beautiful building out in the woods. Outside the city limits. There was woods all around us. And it was a place somewhat off the beaten path. This was not one of the major thoroughfares for living in Shreveport at that point. And it's still difficult to see, unless you kind of know where you're going. But Emerson's self-reliance left to stew for too long becomes self-absorption. The transcendentalists were blazing new trails when they went set out for the woods. But to follow their example, we have to continue to burn new paths. Last Sunday, I spoke about the difference between being our church being a bunker and existing as a place of refuge where we hide away from the world and cloister together um, defensively and being a beacon, a place that doesn't hide itself, that tries to share what light we find with the world around us. And from there, I went on to talk about Reverend Ron Robinson of Tulsa's, uh, of the Tulsa area's, talking about moving from being beacons to actually carrying our lanterns to where the people are. Moving from the the idea of a beacon that calls things to it to carrying the light out where people are. And he called it being missionaries. Speaking about missional community, Reverend Robinson wrote, for some the word missional itself will conjure up images of colonial imperialism. We intend to use it actually as the very opposite, not as ways to seek power over, but as a means of serving the powerless, as ways communities, relationships, can undermine the empire of the American dream of affluence, achievement, appearance. The corporate culture of individualism and coolness that influences church as well as state. We use the word in its Greek sense of missio, being sent being sent to serve love and justice. Now, when I was thinking about what I wanted to say today, some images came to mind, and I correlate them in some ways along gender lines, stereotypically gender lines in my mind, but I know that's not what they are. Anyway... um, 
when we think of empire building, when we think of trying to control things, we think of large tools, earth movers and chains and ropes and come-alongs and, and blasting caps and um, you know dynamite and, and whatever they use now. I would have no idea what that would be. Plastics. Um, and, and when we're doing that, whether it's trying to control something and bind it together that doesn't want to be bound, or whether it's building pyramids and empires, we need those massive things to accomplish those kinds of tasks. We build houses to uh, try to control weather in our lives. But when we think about building communities, when we think about building relationships, when we think about healing things, those large, powerful tools aren't the ones we need to use. The prelude was called, Oh, Had I a Golden Thread and a Needle So Fine. To heal the world, we have to do it with the small tools. We have to do it with close attention and personal relationships and being involved and investing time, energy, hope, passion. That's how we heal and empower others. And sometimes it means giving up our own power to stand with instead of having privilege over. That asks an awful lot. But if we, wanna, if we want to follow the tradition of the people who went before us, the words and deeds of prophetic men and women, we have to continue to burn new paths. And the new paths we need to burn are there waiting for us to discover them, discern what's calling us on, what it's calling us to, how it's calling us to do it. The film last night was particularly touching to me. My son's godfather was in it a lot. And he's been gone now for six years. Um, ACT UP was an aggressive organization and it was a product and a need of its time. There are certainly circumstances where you have to go again and speak truth to power and do it bravely and risk things by doing it. But what we're trying to learn is how to do that simultaneously with the voice of love and compassion and clarity and truth. 
the lasting relationships that were a part of ACT UP were the people who were working together. They didn't forge community and lasting relationships with the institutions. Even though the people in the institutions often demonstrated that they were on the side of healing. The point being, we each have our gifts. They come in different measures as the song that the choir sang for the offertory um, spoke. That our gifts are multifaceted and abundant like our service is, but what we gain from them is one. While I have no doubt that each of us, everybody sitting here, has gifts valuable gifts. I believe for this time in history, the work we're called to do is close work. I see more solutions being found with those needles and threads than I do with the AR-15 somebody carried into the methadone clinic this week. with the stockpiles of weapons that people all around us are making. Or with the bulldozers and the um, empire building tools. Something else from Isaiah. Uh, there's a verse that talks about they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. It's talking about finding your calling. It's talking about living into the things that are yours to do. Congregationally, that will take a lot of patience for us to find where we want to go from here, who we want to be in the future, and how we want to do it with integrity for every member. In the meantime, not running from ourselves, not sitting by and being spectators, but making a commitment. is what we need.